welcome to another episode of Get Up 10 Podcast. I'm very, very excited for today's conversation. I am here with the CEO of D.W. Davis Consulting, Ms. Donna Davis. She is a minister, author, motivational speaker, and certified life coach. She helps to transform women's lives so they can live with confidence. So I already know that our conversation is going to be so good. How are you today? I am doing really good, Ginger. It is so, I'm so glad to be here speaking with you. Thank you. Yes. So I can't wait to see what we get into, but I started to get up and just to encourage somebody to keep going, to get back up and just to see that like whatever you're going through, somebody else has gone through as well and has made it out. And on top of that, I also like to highlight authenticity and just being yourself. Um, I don't know if you know about Cardi B <laughs> at all, but I I don't follow her anymore. Okay. <laughs> but I used to follow her more closely and I really just saw her journey and how she started from, I'll just keep it 100 today, um, which so she started off as a stripper. I I only know that because of my college roommate and social media, not because I'm about that life. She started off as a stripper. She made her way to, she built a following on social media, made her way to reality TV and used that platform to transition into her music career, which we saw just explode pretty quickly. So in one of her songs, it's called Get Up 10. And she says, knock me down nine times, but I get up 10. Look myself in the mirror. I say, we gonna win that part again <laughs> and um she also what I also respected about her rise to fame is that she always was herself even if she showed up her teeth were not yet fixed her hair might have she might have the wig off with the cornrows but she was still going to show up and say what she needed to say and I really respected that because I feel like so many people they make excuses as to why they can't show up or how they look or whatever and there's people out here just doing it the same excuses that you're making somebody could make those too but they're not and they're here winning so with those thoughts in mind that's what I created my podcast with and so how has life knocked you down Ooh, that is a good one um because I didn't know all of that about Cardi B but it's very admirable when we can go through life's ups and downs, especially the downs, and not stay down in them, right? Um, I grew up in poverty. I had the American dream that every little girl wanted to have, you know, the marriage and the white picket fence, and this has got to happen, right? So what do I do? I took my happy little self and got married at the ripe old age of 18, which is a legal age, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but I was still in high school when I got married. I was a senior in high school. And yeah. I was like, there's got to be a way out of this. And I saw that as my way out. And I very quickly realized that it was not. Um, my husband was physically abusive and emotionally abusive and financially abusive. If there was a way to be abusive, I was experiencing it as an 18-year-old who had never been in that type of situation before. 
Um, he separated me from my family. He isolated me. So I felt like I was alone. I felt like I had no choice. What was someone in my position supposed to do? Well, <laughs> I, um, I didn't know, right? So I stayed until I realized I gave my life to Christ. And that was the, that was very pivotal in my life, but I was still married. I was still in the situation. And then I had scriptures that I was like, oh, okay, I, I have to stay here. And, and, yeah. um, and I felt stuck until one day I felt the Lord telling me that he created me for more, that he did not create me to be a punching bag that he did not create me to be emotionally abused, to be physically abused, to be financially abused. And when I realized that, the fear that I felt staying in that marriage, it was extremely fearful. I thought I was going to get killed at any moment. And then, well, what do I do if I leave? Where would I go? I was estranged from my family. I had no one. So it was fear leaving and it was fear staying. But what got me was when the fear of leaving became less fearful than the fear of staying, I knew I had to go and trust God. And that's exactly what I did. I did nothing but trust God. I got out physically. My sister came and got me. That's how I ended up in the city where I am now. And, you know, you're like, what? she got free. She got free. But she really didn't get free, right? It was physical. Mm, but yeah. that emotional bondage, yes, it, it hitched a ride. It packed its bag and said, oh, we're going to another city? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So That's real. It's real. And women, we deal with that all the time. People say, you, you need to leave. You need to do that. And you really don't understand. You really don't understand. So when I realized that, yes, I'm gone physically, but emotionally, I was having the same emotions. I was feeling depressed. I was feeling not worthy. I was feeling that whatever relationship I got, it was going to mimic the one that I had. And I was trapped and I really wasn't free. So I began to do the work to emotionally become free. And when I did that work, I discovered that there are many women hiding behind smiles and jobs and just life because they are ashamed of what happened to them or what they believe they let happen to them, right? I didn't yeah. let abuse happen to me. He abused me. It was his fault. It was his shame. And when I did the work, I said, you know what? Other women deserve to be free. And people would say, you're going to tell your business, right? And, and, and that's what we say. Girl, keep that to yourself. Keep that. But if everybody kept their pain to themselves, who would be healed? So then I understood that my pain wasn't just for me. What I went through was so that I can help other women along their journey to not judge them, 
right? So that we can have rapport. And I can understand, I understand why you went back three times. I understand why you feel like this is your only option. Because I was you. I was you. And just the power of knowing the freedom of being emotionally free, that I'm not bound, that I don't go into another relationship expecting who that person was, that I can accept people as they are, that I can delineate and separate. And God blessed me um, in a few months. I will have been married for 25 years to my second husband. <laughs> I can't clap because I'm holding my microphone, but <laughs> yeah, God is a restorer. And that's another thing. Women say, well, mm. who would want me and what would I do? Girl, trust God, believe in God, believe that you were created for more, that you were created for purpose. You don't even have to know what it is, but I'm going to tell you what your purpose is not. Not to be a punching bag, not to be put yeah. down not to be talked down to, not to be emotionally abused, not to be physically abused, not to be financially abused. And I was all of that. So when you talk about, you said Cardi B said, you know, you get knocked down nine times and you get back up the 10th. What I understand is that every time you're knocked down, the first time you may actually hit the ground, but as you fight for who it is that you are, each time you get knocked down, you're, you're not as far down as you was the first time because you're gaining, so strength, you're gaining power, you're gaining confidence, and it's not arrogance. It's, I don't deserve to be treated the way that you treated me. And now I got to deal with all these emotions, self-doubt, self-hate, self-blame. That's why I came up with my t-shirt, right? And my saying, evicting negative emotions because they don't pay rent. Hmm. They hitched the ride and they had to go. <laughs> yes, I love that. And before, because you are on fire and now you're on a roll. So before you keep on going, I just want to pause and go over some things that you've already said, because we're definitely going to talk about getting back up and how we do that and what that looks like. But before we get there, I just want to uh, go over some of the things that you said. So when you were talking about getting married at 18, which is, whew, okay, so I, <laughs> I was, I relate to your story so much, first of all. And I think that this is right on time because we are in the month of October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So I am so excited to release this episode. Even this past week, I've had people reaching out to me like my friend is in an abusive relationship. Like, mm -hmm. how can I help her? Can I connect her with you? So I'm definitely going to be like, send your friend this episode. <laughs> and if you're listening and you know somebody who needs this episode, go ahead and share it with them. Absolutely. Don't wait. But okay, so you got married at 18. And I was gonna tell you that this week I saw somebody on Facebook and they were like, um, at what age did you realize you wanted to be married? And I was like, I was looking for my husband in kindergarten. Okay. <laughs> I always wanted to be married. But the idea I got married at um 23 years old, I think. Yeah. So the idea that was young and the idea of getting married at 18 even though I always wanted to be married I'm like oh I can't imagine being married at 18 and you said that you thought that that would be a way out so 
when you said your way out was that out of poverty it was it was out of poverty um just my my parents amazing parents they struggled they did the best that they could my dad worked on the farm my mom she had jobs here and there and and she took care of our family um so you know the first time someone sees you and they pay a little bit of attention to you it's yeah. like ooh, you know this this could be it this could be yeah <laughs> but how did you meet him then oh gosh um actually he um attended a different church than what i attended and then our churches met at you know um churches used to go around visiting each other like during revivals during the summer and those type of things so it was in yeah. one of those type of environments that um that i met him and he actually did quote unquote the right type of stuff right he actually mm -hmm. asked my um parents my mom because um my parents were separated at the time could he date me uh so you know it was all these proper things um he was never abusive um in the beginning actually while we dated he was not abusive at all he did not lay a hand on me actually he took me to the mall. I had never been to the mall. I mean, he did things. My, I never went to a beautician to have my hair done. So he did all of these things that to an 18 year old, um, and well, actually we were 16 or 17 when, when I started dating him, it was like, wow, this is how life could be. This is, <laughs> this is some really good stuff. And the reason that I ended up marrying him was because I was a tad bit rebellious, which <laughs> I was a rebellious child in the family. But I was like, you know what? I am tired of this. There's something better. Um, so it wasn't like a traditional, will you marry me type thing. It was, I left home. And I was like, I don't have anywhere to go. And he was like, well, you can't move in with me. You know, again, doing all these right things. Um, so we got married. That's how we got married. And after we got married, the night we got married, it was like a different switch came on. Wow. So he isolated me from my mom, from my sisters. You know, they don't care about you. I'm all that you have. Um, I got a job, you know, I got my first paycheck and I was like, whoa. And he was like, hand it here. Hmm. So, oh, that hurt my heart. <laughs> Cause I remember when I got my first job, um, fresh out of high school and when you first make your own money, it's so exciting. It's like a whole new world. Okay. Uh, you change everything. Actually, I think I, I still have my first pay stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So to have somebody be like, mm -mm, give it over, like, oh, give it, give it over. And then I had to ask for money to go to work. <sighs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it I'm was, so sorry. Yeah. It, it was. 
a lot. My self-esteem was already low. Um, I didn't really have friends in high school or just throughout. Um, I didn't have anyone that I hung out with. I never went to a high school football game. So I was really like a recluse, right? So whatever this man told me or, um, I mean, I believed and I had to yeah. do. But I also believe that because I did grow up in church and because I did hear about God and my husband at the time, he was in church. So I was still going to church. I was like, there's just no way that God would want me to live like this. And you have to understand that, Ginger, that I didn't even care about myself at this point. I was just like, I'm just here. I'm just going through the motions. I just don't want yeah. to make this man mad. And I know women that are in abusive relationships or have been in an abusive relationship in the past, I mean, the slightest thing you say or do can just trigger. And you don't even know what that is. So you're like shaking, standing still, wondering, should I say something? Should I not say something? What should I do? And I remember, I said, you know what? I'm going to make the best of this situation I'm because I know I was created to be a wife you know, and, and that was in my yeah. Head. And he came home one day, and I said, "I'm gonna meet him at the door, and I'm gonna be smiling and all of this stuff." And so, he came up on the steps. I opened the door, and I said, "Hello!" And he said, "You look like a loaf of bread." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, because what do you say? And that was the last time I did that. Um, you know, people will do things to destroy our self-esteem, our sense of self. Mm -hmm. And when we begin to believe what people tell us, when we begin to look in the mirror and see a reflection of the words of other people, whew, it makes it really hard to be able to, people like to say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah, that that ain't happening in those type of situations. Um, yeah. And I just recall when he, one, one night, he took me down this road and he began to beat me. And there were just corn stalks all around us. And I was on the ground being kicked and being hit and crying and all of the stuff going on and, you know, the dirt mixing with my tears. And I'm on the ground and I'm like, Lord, if you get me out of this situation, I know you didn't create me for this. I'm worth something, even though I don't feel like I'm worth anything it was like this man was dousing the fire that was within me but an ember decided that it was gonna keep trying to catch fire and I, I I thank God for that moment because it's not about the value it wasn't at that moment it wasn't about the value 
that I saw in myself because I saw none. It was about the value that God saw in me. And yes. I knew that was a lot. I, I didn't know what it felt like, but I know it felt different than what I was going through. Yes. So that's what I, I, am, <laughs> I am like tearing up over here because as you were talking about that, I just thought of the words in reckless love that that do it for me. And it says, when I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. And I love mm -hmm. that line because I know what it's like to feel no worth. I know what it's like to feel like you are worth zero dollars, <laughs> if that. So I love that. And also, because you keep trying to move forward and I'm like, wait, 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 let's talk about it. <laughs> um, I love that you shared two things that you guys met at through church, because we have to remember that church is a hospital. There is sick wounded broken people up in there okay I think some people think because we meet people at church we have higher expectations we think they know God like they're gonna be living right and that's not always the case and also that he wasn't abusive in the beginning because I think when you're in it and even maybe coming out of it you're like how did I get into this and it's like you did not sign up for this you did not meet him on the first day or whatever and he was like hi I'm abusive no, it never starts off like that. I mean, there might be flags, but it never it never starts off like that. So I just want to touch on that just in case somebody is feeling like, how did I get here? It, it does not start off like that. It does not. And you're absolutely right. He didn't say I'm abusive, I'm narcissistic, I'm any of these things. And there was no way for an impressionable 16, 17 year old to know that meeting someone yeah. doing all these things it is not our fault it was not my fault because I wrote a book about it right and so people were like because he's still alive so people were like you're gonna write about it? Mm -hmm. not my shame you don't want nobody to know then you shouldn't do it <laughs> exactly <laughs> I found this quote and it said like I forgot how it's worded but basically something along the lines of like if people don't like how you talk about them they should have acted better it's just, it's a little bit better than that but that's the gist right. of it and it's true right like <laughs> that's what they did <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say because I had the same thing when I came out of my abusive relationship and I started being vocal about it people who because we met through work so we had I had some of our co-workers on Facebook and things and they were like this is not the way why are you talking about him like this that's your daughter's father ah, da, da, da. and I was like listen I went through what I went through and I'm sharing it for somebody else because I need somebody else to get out of it I need somebody else to know that they're not alone so this has nothing to do with him and same thing when I wrote my book uh, in 2021 it's coming out this year I also shared about my experience and I was so blessed to work with a publisher who knows how to tell stories with honor. So when I was questioning, should I put this detail? Should I say this? It was like, okay, is that going, how, is that going to make him look bad or is that going to tell your story better? You need to think about where it's coming from. And I appreciated that because not everybody's like that. So yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And if people don't like their role in your story, they should have acted better. They should <laughs> act better. Right. And um, I think it's a shame 
that people try to further blame the victim. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. Now, I did not call his him by name in the book, but of course, where I grew up, everybody know who it is. But at the same time, I need to honor myself and that is why so many women that are in abusive situations are mute. Mm-hmm. They are silent on the outside, but they are screaming on the inside. Yeah. And I need women to have peace. And if you don't have peace on the inside, then you don't have peace. And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you go out yelling, this happened or whatever. But Ginger, we even get to the point where we don't even acknowledge what happened to us, to ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's the mute part. No, no, no. Not going to talk about it. No, no, no. And, And I understand why. Because we all, all, everyone in the world, man and woman, need a sense of safety. And if we saw safety in our relationship and someone violated us that we love, that we trusted, that was our safe space, it's hard to put that person in the context of um, you're not safe because you're supposed to be safe. So I'm going to just leave it alone. And sometimes it's who these abusers are. I mean... My ex-husband was a deacon in the church. You know, it's like, well, we're not Mm going to embarrass him. (laughs) Oh, so we care about how he feels. Okay. And and in that moment and in those contexts, you know, oh, don't you care about your children? And I did not have children with my ex-husband at the time, but I do understand because I hear a lot of these different things um, that people use to further victimize the victim. And I do want to go back to what I said because people um, tend to blame God for a lot of things, right? Like, yeah, Yeah. they're they're them church people, them the main ones and stop it. (laughs) Yeah. People are people and everyone makes mistakes. And if we did not sin, if we did not have issues, then we would not need God. Saying we believe in God and have a relationship with God does not make us perfect. So when people point at my imperfections, I I say thank you because I'm human and human. Exactly. And yeah. The reason that I didn't blame God, right? Because I had I gave my life to Christ after I got married, so I did understand that you know that was my choice, and you know to marry him. But why would I reject God when I was feeling rejected by man? That made no sense. And then I was like, well, (laughs) I tried to be accepted by this man and it didn't work. I might as well let God be God. And he delivered me. And... He helped me. He guided me. He healed my heart. He healed my spirit. He healed my mind. 
And he let me know that I was created for such a time as this to help other women, not just through um, domestic violence, because that's something that I went through, but I also went through bullying and I also went through poverty. I, I went through unforgiveness, tons of emotions that just packed themselves on top of each other to bury me down so that I could not be the person that God called me to be. Mm. <laughs> that part. So, okay, <laughs> I'm definitely, we're like almost getting ready to move forward. But before we do, because I'm, I'm so excited for how we're going to unpack all this. I just want to touch on one more thing because, so in my uh, relationship, my abusive relationship, he only put his hands on me one time. But I had a friend that had been through her fair share of abusive relationships, unfortunately. And she told me that if they do it one time, they'll do it again. And that's when I was like, oh, no, we don't need to, we don't need to see if that's true or not. We're just going to take you at your word on that. I tested them waters. <laughs> and, but I definitely experienced a lot of emotional abuse and I don't think emotional abuse gets a lot of attention because physical abuse, yeah, we can see your bruises, we can see the blood, we can see the wounds, and we we know that that is wrong. Physical violation, whether it's physical or sexual, it's like a whole other category that we know, like, yes, that is a violation that's wrong, but we don't always give emotional abuse the same weight because those wounds are the ones that you can't see. Mm -hmm. And so can you please talk a little bit about what emotional abuse looks like? Oh, Wow. Ah, I'm tearing up even thinking about it because it's the, I think I said earlier, you look like uh, a loaf of bread, a bag of bread, right? You, you did something wrong to try to make you think that what you're doing is not right. You can't get anything right. Um, why did you say that? You're dumb. You're stupid. Why are you here? I mean, and it it just piles on and piles on and um, it makes you feel like you're not worthy. And oh my goodness, this person is actually talking to me, even if it's cursing. They're talking to me. Nobody else wants me. Nobody else cares about me. Um, yeah, so I'm going to give him my paycheck and ask him for bus money and have him curse me out before he gives it to me because that makes me more submissive to him. And it's very easy to just get stuck and stay there. Because most women, a lot of women, you know, they don't let them have a job, right? So you're relying on them for money. I had a job and he would pick me up on payday just to get my paycheck. And for me the next morning um, to say, I need money to ride the bus and to get cursed out. But I just gave you my entire paycheck. <laughs> I signed it over to you. Um, and it's very hard to trust people 
um, because we tend to attract what it is that we feel about ourselves. So we feel like we're unworthy, that um, we should be abused, we should be talked down to. That's why sometimes you'll see there'll be cycles and, you know, women will be like, oh, yeah. I keep these same type of men, these same type of men, because it has a lot to do with how we view ourselves and the subconscious. Um, because unfortunately, when we are in those type of situations, that becomes what we consider safety. And that's something else that people don't understand. We all need a sense of safety. And it's different for everybody because it's dependent upon our circumstance. So if this man is going to beat me, but he's going to make sure I have a roof over my head, he's going to make sure I eat, you know, and he don't want me talking to nobody. So that's attention, you know. So, oh, he's saying he want me, but but I know he's being controlling and all of these other things. And it's like our nervous system just get all out of whack. And that becomes our norm. Mm -hmm. And that's what we begin to seek. So even when I got out of that situation, physically, life was not, roses and sunshine for me because I got into other relationships that were similar to that abusive relationship. Um, and it, it was not easy, but it was yeah. worth it because I knew I was created for more. I began to see the bad things that were happening to me. You know, some people be like, I might as well just give up. I, that was me. Like, why on earth did I not give up? I left that relationship. I got into more bad relationships. I was sexually assaulted after that. It was, it was a lot. Um, but I knew that if one woman could be helped by things that I learned on this journey called life, everything that I went through was worth it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And my heart feels the same exact way. So I get it. And thank That's you so much. Yes. Thank you so much for touching on the topic of safety. Because I remember after my um, incident that led me to call 911, after my physical incident, uh, I would go to my appointments for my baby because I was still pregnant. And they would ask me, like, are you safe? And I'm like, what do you mean am I safe? Like, he's not going to hit me. He's not going to hit me, you know? So, yeah, I'm safe. 
But again, there was that fear there, like, oh, I don't want him to hear me on the phone with my daughter's godmother. Oh, I don't want him to see me talking to my family because he might get upset. And let me make sure that, you know, I do everything right today. I try to have dinner ready and I put it on the right plate, not the paper plate. It got to be the the nice plate. And I got to make sure he's there. Like that internal, it's, it's an anxiety because you just don't know what's going to happen. But I didn't realize that safety was more than physical. So I was like, yeah, I'm yeah. safe. What do you mean? Right. <laughs> so thank you for touching on that because I that's something I had to learn as well, that safety also extends to your mental space, your emotions. It's much more than just the physical things. So, yeah. yeah. And, yes. and, and oh, just okay. To, <laughs> just to touch on that a tad more, like yeah. you said, making sure the food was on the right plate and this was that and this. That that was your nervous system calibrating up to this is what will keep us safe. So mm-hmm. this is what we need to do. And people don't understand that. Girl, I wouldn't cook him any food or you know. You don't need that for safety over here. <laughs> yeah. Well-being, and we may still get hit. And we may still get yelled at. But yeah. uh, uh, until we know what the new rules are. This is what we got to do. So exactly. We and so as we transition on how to get back up, I want to touch on, you said that your sister came and got you. So was that coordinated or was it just one day where she was like, girl, I'm coming to get you. Like, can you talk more about how that all unfolded? Oh my gosh. So um, he was abusive. Like I said, he took me down the road. He beat me. I called my sister and, um, I said, I, I got to get out of here. And she, she was, like I said, she was in another town. She said, you need to get to mama house <laughs> and I'll come get you. And this was probably the first time I had talked to my sister or even my mom, you know, I had to rely on her to contact my mom to say, okay, she's coming. Cause I, I probably hadn't talked to my mom in over a year. And I called, I remember I called one of my cousins and I said, I need a ride to my mama house. So I wasn't even going back home um, to go to work. We rode like a city bus. It was rural in the country. I got off at a stop. <laughs> I went to the pay phone. They still worked. I'm young. <laughs> work. And I called my cousin and, and I said, can you come get me? Hadn't talked to my cousin in years. So when you when you, I was thinking about I had nobody in those moments, names came up. I was like, you know what? I'll call her and see what she says. The worst she can say is no. So I called her. She said, where are you? I told her where I was. I was like 45 minutes from her. She said, you stay right there. So my cousin came and got me. And I said, take me to my mama house. And she said, my cousin, she's crazy. I love her. She's watching this. She said, where's your stuff? I said, what stuff? She said, your clothes, your stuff. I said, well, they're at at his house. I'm not going there. She said, oh, yes, we are. (laughs) She was a ride or die. So we went to my husband's house. His mom was putting my my belongings in trash bags and was putting them on the back step because I did not come home. 
And my cousin, I'm in the car crying. And my cousin looked at me and she said, if you don't dry your tears, I'm going to beat you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Lord. So she said, get out of this car. So we get out of the car. And my cousin was like, is this your stuff? And I said, yes. She said, put it in the car. <laughs> and we literally put my stuff in the car. And I walk in the house and my husband was sitting down with his back turned, pretending to watch TV while all this commotion is going on. His mama putting my <laughs> stuff out. He's sitting on the couch and here I am, um, typical woman in love. I mean, I loved him. I, yeah, that's real. The, the truth is the truth. So I walk yeah. in and I'm looking at him and he would not look at me. And I said, I really wish that this would work out. And he didn't say a word. Not one word, not goodbye. He never looked at me. He never said a word. I got in my cousin's car. She took me to my mom's house. It was only a few months later when I was on the verge of being homeless <laughs> in my new city that he said, I'll come get you. Right. So there's always this, I'll, I'll come get you. I won't ask any questions. And I said, and I shouldn't have even said this as I reflect back, but I said, if we go to counseling, I'll come back. Mm -hmm. And he said, I don't need any counseling. And I said, okay, Lord, you intend for me to be homeless because apparently someone that's homeless need to hear about the Lord. And I told him, no, thank you. I'd rather be homeless and see what God has for me than to go back in physical bondage. And I really, I wasn't out of the mental bondage yet because I was like, yeah, it's a real, <laughs> it's this, it's that. But I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I I'd rather experience something different that has the possibility of helping me to become whole than to go back to broken. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. That's how I and um, got out. <laughs> also, so I was here tearing up as you were talking about leaving because I remember when I left, I we had a really bad argument my daughter was a couple months old and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. This is not healthy. Like I finally, it finally clicked. This is not healthy. And so I packed up one little suitcase with my daughter's clothes and my clothes because I thought we were going away for a week. And out of the blue, I texted my family group chat. So my family was in New York. I was in North Carolina. So I can somebody meet me halfway because <laughs> I'm coming home out the blue. And my family showed up for me and I get so emotional because my family has just been such a huge factor of me coming out of it and yeah my my siblings and my dad they met me halfway and they drove when I got to the meeting place uh the rest stop on I-95 uh, my brother got in my car and he drove the rest of the way for me mm. and yeah, I get it. And I, I did have to go back for my stuff too. And my brother came with me 
and it was hard <laughs> and same thing he was in the house and he was you know like please don't leave we talk about it but I was just like nope I'm sorry like it is what it is mm. so yeah it's not easy to leave at all there's still so many like untied ends or whatever the thing is but I think that day that you leave kind of just stays in your heart because it is such a pivotal moment you're not all the way free but you've taken a step so it's huge and so with that being said let's talk about the steps how do we get back up how do we move forward how do we get our glow back because I'm looking at you and you have a beautiful glow and a beautiful smile and I know there's going to be somebody listening to this who that glow has left them that smile they haven't felt it in a long time on their face so how do we get back up again oh my gosh we trust God. Yeah. We can't do it in our own strength, in our own power. And you're so right. Our stories intersect so much. Um, you just have to believe that you are worth more than even what you think. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> when... Um, when we're being emotionally abused and being made to feel like we are worth less, there is no way to feel worthy. No matter how many affirmations, you know, people say, oh, just tell yourself this a million times. And, you know, that's for another day. (laughs) But I would say to pick a scripture and to stand on it. And I love the book of Esther. Uh, I say it all the time. For yeah. such a time as this. No matter what it is that I'm going through. I look at it as. The enemy trying to hold me back. Trying to stop me. Because there is something. For someone. And I have to push through. So I would tell people, because a a lot of women in our situation are people pleasers, which is one of the reasons why we stay. We want to make them happy and we can change them and we can do this. And we pour out. I'm going to go back to the example. You say fixing the food on the right plate, making sure that it's perfect for them. What I would say is, what's perfect for you? Can we give ourselves the same type of care and attention? And we usually don't think we're worthy of it. But if we are worthy enough to give it out, to pour it out, we can pour it in. Yes, I love that. (laughs) And you mentioned that you did continue to get into more unhealthy relationships afterwards and I know that is a common thing because if you don't really change those patterns those habits you're just going to repeat the cycle so when you met your current husband what was different about you and what was different about him um what was different about me was I was not chasing after something or someone Um, I was living my life. I was waiting on God. 
and I was not going to orchestrate what happens and how it happens. And I met my current husband in church because I did not turn my back on God. <laughs> but I didn't blame God for decisions that I made. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I was just more confident in I don't need you. I love you. I don't need you. You don't complete me. I love these things. No, I'm complete in and of myself. He compliments me. You know, we're a good match and all of that. But um, I used to joke with him early on. I know how to get rid of Because, you know, we'll talk another time about my divorce experience. But um, I, I would joke with her, like, look, listen, you know, I'm a pro. Consider me a pro, you know. Um, but I, and I fully, and, and to be quite honest, I wasn't completely healed when I met my current husband. Um, and he wasn't healed in things that he was dealing with in his life either it's just that I've continued to grow and evolve and not associate who I am with somebody else I'm complete I'm whole in and of myself in and of our relationship but I'm not going to let someone stop me from being who God called me to be. I'm not going to not do these things because we're time limited (laughs) being human. And um, I wanna help as many women as possible live the life that they are worthy of, live the life that God created them for. Um, One of the things that I I say right now in my, in my, re- in my regular job, so I have two jobs, I own my business and I have another job, um, is that I could just see the hands of God full circle in my life. You know, like I said, I grew up in poverty. I grew up eating free and reduced lunches in school. And right now I'm the director over the free lunch program in my state. Wow. You know, it's the power of God um, that does these things. It's not who I am. It's who he is. Um, And getting back up, you know, with with my business is I'm able to help my clients see beyond what they see of themselves with their physical eyes. I help them, oh my God, to live the life they are worthy of. With certainty, they don't question themselves anymore. There's no doubt. Sometimes I have to be like, oh, what have I created here? And, and it's not even about becoming. And, you know, everybody said, oh, I'm becoming. No, no, no. 
I help you to uncover who you have always been. It's just these things called circumstances and problems and issues have just piled on. So I help to unpile them and there you are. Not, not having <laughs> to protect yourself, not having to adjust, but just able to be. And the lives you affect by being who you are. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody. You don't have to be like, how can I? And oh, they're doing that over there. I applaud them. <laughs> I high five them. Because what we are created for individually is sufficient is magical, is powerful. And if we lean into it, we will be unstoppable. Yes. Yes. And as you're talking, I'm just thinking like, I can just relate so much to what you're saying because it's like, oh, like that's kind of where I'm at now. And I've just been excited lately because I've really just let God into my life, like for real. Because I was, I've grown up in a Christian home. I, I gave my life to Jesus real young, you know, and, but I never really submitted to him. I re never really surrendered to him like the way I am in this season. And I just feel so excited because I'm like, oh my gosh, look at what God has done. Look at what God is doing. Like he just makes such incredible stories that we could never ever orchestrate ourselves. Never. So I love that. And thank you. I also want to go back because you, you talked about you and it was good and I loved it. And you said some amazing things, but you didn't talk about what was different about your husband that made you, you know, feel safe to enter into marriage. So what was it about him? We, we started out as friends. Um, I think that was huge. We started out as friends and he showed that he genuinely cared for me. Um, he was closer to my age. So what I didn't say was my first husband was almost seven years older than me also. Um, so he was closer to my age. He knew that I had friends. I had male and female friends. He wasn't jealous or anything. He let me That's be, so important. oh my goodness. He let me be who I was, um, who I am. And I'm, I'm pretty crazy at times. <laughs> Some of my <laughs> so he's been supportive, but, and he was that way from the beginning, from the beginning. And so, um, and he was saved and he actually understood what that meant. <laughs> um, so praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, and, and, and it's hard, you know, even with both people being saved, because again, it's that human thing. Yeah. You know, thank God for being human. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but that's what did it for me. And we decided we went to counseling before we got married. 
we decided early on that divorce was not going to be um, in our language, right? Although, you know, I'm sure I challenge that for him sometimes and... <laughs> <laughs> but, but but we decided that if we had issues or problems or anything that we would talk about it um it's been almost 25 years they have not all been you know roses and flowers but um they have been um collaborative years um filled with love filled with just going through life together. And I know that God placed him in my life. <laughs> Prayerfully, he feels the same way <laughs> about me. Um, so yeah, it's it was totally different. Um, he's not, and personality-wise, he's on the opposite spectrum than my first husband was and I don't know necessarily if that's what I began to attract um and, and to say more about that I know people are like what well, I mean, attract you know it's just um what I what I, we've been talking about how we feel about ourselves um that's what we attract if you feel like you're worthy of um respect um, love, and then is how you define love, which is something totally different. <laughs> uh, then that's what you begin to attract. And I didn't have to worry about the abusers and those type of people that I still attract after I left my husband. But when I began to do the work on myself, right? Because what we tend to do is, okay, I'm going to make sure he's you know, because I had a checklist too. So I was like, okay, he got to do this, but he got to do that. I'm like, what? I need to turn that checklist on me. So, so I began to check off. Okay, how are you feeling about yourself? If somebody say no, does that make me feel rejected? Why do I feel rejected? I need to work on that. I need to work on accepting myself. I need to work on believing in myself. I need to work on when, when the girls don't invite me to their friend thing that, you know, it's me. No, it ain't me. It's them missing out. <laughs> so I when I began that. to work on me, then everything else was able to fall in place. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to shift to my last big heavy question, which is... What does it look like to you to live life with no filter and just authentically be you? Oh my gosh. I don't have to remember what I told you versus what I told somebody five days ago. Because the answer is the same. I don't have to figure out, oh, I'm in front of gender, so I should act gingerly <laughs> well, I'm in front of this person I'm authentically who it is that I am I have friends um from all oh you know sometimes people be like how can you be friends 
comes with such a thing. I said, because I accept people for who they are and where they are in their lives. It's the expectations that we have on other people. I can't expect I can't expect you to behave like me. Did you hear all this stuff that I say I've been through? <laughs> <laughs> and even coming out of it, I don't expect other people to respond the way that I respond. That's good. I love that. Ooh, okay. So we're going to shift gears because this episode has been plenty. And it sounds like we're going to have to have a part two at some point. But I just want to finish off on a lighter note because we definitely got into some heavy stuff, but some really, really good stuff. So I love to ask my guests three fun questions. Well, I think they're fun. And you think they're just fun? not as serious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I love to travel. I don't know if you do too. What is one place in the world that if you could go anywhere, where would you go right now? I would love to go to Bali. Only because oh. I've never been and I've seen the great pictures and um, yeah. the waters and all of the nice things. So that's where I would go. That is a good answer. I mean, it's pretty hard to have a bad answer to this question, but I do like that one. And is there a song that is getting you through this season or that is kind of like an anthem for your life that you like to share? Oh, my goodness. Um, I listen to the radio all the time, and I can't recall the name of the song right now, but it's about dry bones coming to life. Okay, and we're going to have to figure out what song that is. I have an idea. I can find but it. But yes. <laughs> Because I definitely love to share that in the show notes so somebody can check it out too and be encouraged. Awesome. And lastly, perfect. Is there a book? So it could either be something that you are reading right now or have read recently that was really good or something that you just read along your journey that, that really shifted something for you. Ooh, so two books. Um, The one that I read that shifted things for me that really began to help me to understand how worthy I was in the sight of God was Good Morning Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. Hmm. Um, and a book that I'm currently reading that will change your life. A, a lot of things that I mentioned about, you know, safety and our regulation is the yeah. body gives the score and i can't recall who it's written by i don't have it in here with okay me. we'll figure but it out the body gives the score keeps the score the body keeps the score i feel like i've heard of that one it's, those are really those those both sound really good so yeah i don't want to take too much more of your time up because it is friday night and we got a long weekend out of us so with that being said is there any last thoughts that you'd like to share and you just whatever you want to leave our audience with I I just want the audience to know that your life is worth the process your life is worth the journey that you have been on nothing has been in vain 
And it doesn't even matter if you don't see or understand how your journey has affected someone else. Someone else is greater and better off because you exist. I love that. Thank you so much. And thank you for your time, for your wisdom, for everything. I'm just so grateful for this episode. I really am so excited to share this and Oh, this conversation blessed me. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You have blessed me also. This has been great. Go!